Leviticus chapter 19 verse 1 And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I the Lord your God am holy. Holiness is a commandment, but we have to participate in order to be holy. In order to be sanctified, we have to participate. It isn't something that happens to us outside of our control. And it doesn't have to be a long, slow process like the preachers tell us in church, because it's a decision. You can learn over time how to decide. But that's because of our own stubborn hearts that it takes so long. If we make a decision today to be sanctified, we can be sanctified today because it just means being set apart. It means not participating in the evil practices that the world participates in. I think pastors are doing people a disservice when they say that it's a long, slow process because they're basically giving people an excuse to be stubborn and resist being holy. And God doesn't give us excuses. He just says, be holy. And he says, be sanctified, be consecrated. That's how God says it. He doesn't say it's a long, slow process that is going to take years. God doesn't say that in the Bible. Three, ye shall fear every man his mother and his father, and ye shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. And again, I believe that the Sabbath is every single day of the year because the New Testament says Jesus is our Sabbath rest. And Paul explained in the New Testament that rest means resting from our religion and resting from sin not practicing religion or sin, but only practicing what Jesus tells us to do. I believe that according to the New Testament, our Sabbath is every single day, and we should resist sin and religion every single day. That doesn't mean that we can't go to church, but resist religion, which is trying to jump hoops to earn our salvation. God wants us to simply obey him. A lot of people, they won't obey God, but they will jump religious hoops to please the church and make the church think that they're saved. And that's not salvation. We're supposed to rest from religion, but we are supposed to obey. For turn ye not unto the idols, nor make to yourselves molten gods. I am the Lord your God. That means not having idols. We need to be careful what's in our homes. We really need to throw that stuff away. If you just have things hanging around your house from your past or from trips that you've taken in foreign lands, if it's an idol, throw it out. 5. And when ye offer a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord, ye shall offer it that ye may be accepted. Don't offer it in a profane way. 6. It shall be eaten the same day ye offer it, and on the morrow... And if aught remain unto the third day, it shall be burnt with fire. God doesn't want them eating rotten meat. 7. And if it be eaten at all on the third day, it is a vile thing. It shall not be accepted. That makes God angry when they're eating the old meat because it's not good for them. Plus, the third day is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. It also profanes the gospel message, which is all throughout God's law. 8. But every one that eateth it shall bear his iniquity, because he hath profaned the holy thing of the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from his people. Now today, the Bible says that God does not actually want sacrifices from us. What he wants is obedience, and that is in Psalm chapter 51. King David actually says sacrifices don't please you. God commanded them to give sacrifices because they were not obedient and they needed to be forgiven. But what God wants even more is that we simply obey, and then we don't have to be forgiven. We're always going to sin a little bit, but he doesn't want us to live in sin and have to keep forgiving over and over and over for the same things. What delights him is that we don't commit the sin in the first place. 
9. And when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corner of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleaning of thy harvest. When you bring in the harvest, leave a little behind. Don't scour to get every single drop of wheat. Let some fall. Don't go all the way to the corners of your field. 10. And thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather the fallen fruit of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Don't harvest every single thing. Whatever falls and scatters and whatever gets missed the first time, leave it for the poor people to come and eat. Today, if you're a farmer, poor people aren't going to come on your land. You know, in the Great Depression, when farmers had a bunch of food that the people couldn't afford to buy, they dumped it. They wouldn't give it away. And if we get into times like that again, and a farmer has food that they could give to people who can't buy it, they should just give it to them. That's God's law. If you can't sell it and they can't buy it, then just give it to them. But whenever possible, just let the poor have what you don't need. 11. Ye shall not steal, neither shall ye deal falsely, nor lie one to another. Because all of that hurts other people. 12. And ye shall not swear by my name falsely, so that thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Really, we shouldn't swear by God's name at all, but if we do, we better be telling the truth. According to Jesus' commandment, we have to tell the truth all the time. 13. Thou shalt not oppress thy neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. God hated it. If people had to wait till the end of the week or the end of the month or two weeks to get their pay, he wanted people to get paid on the same day that they worked. That's God's laws. Now, nobody practices that in the world today. You always have to wait two weeks to get a paycheck or a full month to get a paycheck. But we can't do anything about that. It's established by higher banks. 14. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but thou shalt fear thy God. I am the Lord. Don't make it worse for a person who is already dealing with adversity. 15. Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor favor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. Advocating for one certain group above all others is actually wrong. That's called respecting persons, which means favoritism, whether to the poor or to the rich. We're supposed to treat everybody with the same honor, the same love, the same amount of respect. We don't lie to a rich person. We don't lie to a poor person either. We don't take advantage of a poor person, and we don't take advantage of a rich person either. Some people think it's okay to steal from the rich, but according to this Bible verse, it's not. 16. Thou shalt not go up and down as, as a tell-bearer among thy people, which means a tattletale. Neither shalt thou stand idly by the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. If your neighbor is harmed or killed, you can't pretend that you don't know anything. Like if you know what happened, you have to tell the police, testify. You can't cover up crimes. Some people will cover up crimes for their children or for their spouse, but that's evil. The Lord does not allow for that. 17. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thy heart. Thou shalt surely rebuke thy neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You can't hate your brother, and that includes your neighbor. It's really important that we love our siblings, because if we can't love our siblings, we can't love anyone. It's our siblings who persecuted us when we were little and who did things that really devastated us. We need to forgive them, because then we'll be able to forgive other people. There's a lot of people who are nice to their neighbors and co-workers and the people at church, but they have siblings that they they haven't talked to in 20 years because they never forgave their sibling. But in our heart, we really, really need to forgive. And if that sibling tries to contact us, we need to respond in a loving way. 
And also rebuking people is a command from the Lord. In our hypersensitive society, nobody can handle rebukes anymore. Nobody can handle straight talk. Rebuke doesn't mean insulting, threatening, name-calling, or any kind of torment like that. It doesn't mean screaming and terrorizing the person, and it doesn't mean saying it more than once. You don't have to call the person every day and say, hey, you need to stop living in fornication. Rebuke is a one-time thing, but you do need to tell them once. Hey, fornication is a sin, and Jesus said that fornicators will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I just wanted you to know that in case you didn't hear. You really need to repent for your own sake because Jesus loves you and he wants you in heaven forever. But you can't go there if you keep practicing this sin. That's what the Lord said in the New Testament multiple times. Just tell people straight and then they can accept or reject. You don't have to keep telling them a million times. Just once is enough. And you don't have to make threats. You don't have to put them down. You don't have to tattletale and backstab them. Just say it straight to their face one time. That's all the Lord asks. But if you don't say it straight to their face because you're afraid of offending them or you're afraid of hurting their feelings or you're afraid of losing their friendship, then you are in sin because you won't rebuke them. Rebuke is not abuse, but it's being honest with people and warning them of the spiritual danger that they're in. It doesn't matter if I have friends, but it matters to God that I'm honest with people so that then they can make a choice. Because a lot of times people will keep sinning simply because they don't even know it's sin. And that's why rebuke is important, because a lot of people actually don't know they're sinning. One time I rebuked a girl who was a lesbian. I wasn't mean to her at all. I was really nice to her. She looked at me straight in the eye and she said, am I going to go to hell? Because we were talking about things of God. I looked her straight in the eye and I said, according to the Bible, yes, because you know, you, you're doing this sin. I told her that I also had to repent in order to be saved and that we're all in the same boat. We all have to repent. And I told her that homosexuality is just one form of fornication and all fornicators will go to hell. And I said, I used to be a fornicator too. And I was on my way to hell. Two weeks later, she was no longer a lesbian. She never got hurt a bit by that conversation, but she thought about it and she made a decision. She didn't want to do it anymore. And that's it. That's why rebuke is so important. Because until we had that conversation, the girl thought it was okay. 18. Thou shalt not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Revenge belongs to the Lord, not to us. When people hurt us, we cannot hurt them back. Even if that person is a mean person, he still wants them treated with kindness. 19. Ye shall keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let thy cattle gender with a diverse kind. Thou shalt not sow thy field with two kinds of seed. Neither shall there come upon thee a garment of two kinds of stuff mingled together. He wants us to, to be as healthy as possible, and he wants his animals to be as healthy as possible. So don't gender two types of animals. For instance, that's actually a sin to make a mule. A mule, it's when you mate a donkey and a horse, and donkeys and horses are not the same animal. And mules are mentally retarded, that's why they're stubborn, and they can't have kids. They're wrongfully bred. God did not make mules. He made donkeys and he made horses. So it isn't fair to the mule and its brain doesn't work properly. In one field, there should only be one kind of seed. It's not healthy for the field if you have two kinds. And I don't understand the science behind that, but I believe it because it's in the Bible. I'd have to do research to figure out why that's true. You know why our clothes disintegrate in the washer and the dryer these days? And after you've washed something 10 times, it looks really shabby. And after you've washed it 30 times, it has a hole in it. 
That's because we have synthetic fabrics and we have mixed fabrics. That's why our fabrics don't last. So when we follow God's law, we benefit. And I know you can't help what you're wearing. I can't either. A lot of my clothes are blended. I try really hard to buy cotton as much as possible, but sometimes it's just not available. But the blended fabrics make me itch because the people making the clothes are not following God's law. 20. And whosoever lie carnally with a woman that is a bondmaid designated for a man and not at all redeemed, nor was freedom given her, there shall be inquisition, meaning a trial. They shall not be put to death because she was not free. Normally, fornicators are put to death. They're stoned. But if she was not free, meaning that she had no choice. For instance, on the plantation in the olden days, when the master would sleep with the slave girl, the girl had no choice. She couldn't say no. She had to obey her master. So it's very similar to rape. In a lot of cases, it is rape. That's why they have to go to trial. She probably had no choice in the matter. So in that case, they aren't going to stone her. 21. And he shall bring his forfeit unto the Lord, unto the door of the tent of meeting, even a ram for a guilt offering. He actually has to pay a fine to the Lord himself, because the Lord is offended that that girl lost her virginity when she was a slave and couldn't help it. That makes the Lord angry. And that shows you how God feels about women. He's angry when women are wronged. 22. And the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering before the Lord for his sin which he hath sinned, and he shall be forgiven for his sin which he hath sinned. But you know it's not easy because a ram isn't cheap. 23. And when ye shall come into the land and shall have planted all manner of trees for food, then ye shall count the fruit thereof as forbidden. Three years shall it be as forbidden unto you, it shall not be eaten. When you plant an orchard, for the first three years, you cannot eat the fruit. You just let it fall and let the deer eat it. 24. And in the fourth year, all the fruit thereof shall be holy, for giving praise unto the Lord. And it is true that the first few years that a plant produces, the fruit isn't very good. It's like green and hard, and it doesn't have all the flavor and all the sugar in it. God says, wait until the plant is mature, then you can have its fruit. 25. But in the fifth year ye may eat of the fruit thereof, that it may yield unto you more richly the increase thereof. I am the Lord your God. The fruit is holy on the fourth year, but they still can't eat it. And then in the fifth year they can eat it. 26. Ye shall not eat with the blood, neither shall ye practice divination nor soothsaying. Anybody who is a fortune teller of any kind, it doesn't matter how they tell fortunes. There's a lot of different ways that people do it, but any of that you cannot practice. And looking at tea leaves and reading the horoscope in the newspaper, all of that is divination. It's a sin. And sometimes divination is done for people to find water. And sometimes police will actually practice this to solve cases. They'll go to a witch, somebody who has a familiar spirit, and they'll say, tell us where the body is. And then the witch will tell them. And this is all evil. 27. Ye shall not round the corners of your heads, neither shalt thou mar the corners of thy beard. This confuses a lot of people. What it's saying is when you get a haircut, you can't cut the corners of your hair, meaning to have a rounded edge. And you can't cut the corners of your beard so that your beard is rounded. It has to be cut straight. This really doesn't apply to us today, except in principle. We can get any kind of haircut we want. The reason he told them not to do this was because back then, the people who cut the corners of their beard and stuff, I think it was mourning for the dead, but it was witchcraft related, where they were honoring spirit. In that sense, this haircut law does not apply to us anymore. 
but the principle behind it still applies. We are not to honor dead spirits. You know how people today will get tattoos with a dead person's name on it? That's actually against God's law. 28. Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor imprint any marks upon you. I am the Lord. It opens you up to witchcraft. Evil spirits respond to that. It opens you up to having a familiar spirit. And I'll talk about what that is in a second here. 29. Profane not thy daughter to make her a harlot, lest any land fall into harlotry, and the land become full of lewdness. Very tragically today, there are people in America who prostitute their daughters, and some of them prostitute their sons. I've heard many stories of it here in America, and it says it makes the land lewd. It'll affect the whole community. 30. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. And later on, we'll read that the Israelites did do profane things at the sanctuary, but he's telling them now they're not supposed to do that. 31. Turn ye not unto the ghosts, nor unto familiar spirits. Seek them not out to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Halloween stories, talking about ghosts that live in haunted houses, movies like Harry Potter, all that kind of stuff is evil. There's a lot of people who think that they had a past life. That's having a familiar spirit. This is how it works. Let's say a lady named Lucy who lived 100 years ago. Lucy had a demon that spent a lot of time with her because of her sin. That demon knows her, and demons don't die. They live for thousands of years. So that demon lived with Lucy, and then 100 years later, the demon now comes to somebody else and says, hey, you used to be Lucy, and I'm going to give you all these memories and tell you all these secrets about Lucy that only Lucy would know. And then you're going to think that you used to be Lucy, and you're going to think that you're in your second life, and then you're going to make witchcraft famous, and I'm going to get you up on the Oprah show, and I'm going to put you on the nightly news, and you're going to tell everybody all these secrets about Lucy, but really it's just me giving you information. A familiar spirit is a demon who gives you information about dead people and makes you think that you used to be the dead person or that your great aunt so-and-so is talking to you or whatever. When Christians say, grandma's watching me from heaven, that's evil. They're inviting a familiar spirit into their life. Or when they say, I had a dream and grandma told me something. It wasn't grandma. It was a demon disguised as grandma. Demons will come to us disguised as the ghost of so-and-so. And they will try to make us focus on that satanic thing to get our focus off of Jesus Christ. 32. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head, which means the white-haired people who are old, and honor the face of the old man, and thou shalt fear thy God. I am the Lord. If we're on a bus and an old person enters the bus and we're sitting in the front, we need to get up and let that old person have the seat. I've seen at church socials a lot of times where the old person will be led to a table and sit down, and then a younger person will go and get their plate for them. 33. And if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, ye shall not do him wrong. We are not allowed to mistreat That doesn't mean we have to treat them better than anybody else, but we can't harass them. We can't do them any wrong. That's God's law. 34. The stranger that sojourneth with you shall be unto you as the homeborn among you, and thou shalt love him as thyself. For ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. I'm not a Democrat, but the Democrats always want to give benefits to the immigrants. And according to God's law, we can and probably should give benefits to the immigrants. Now, whether or not we let them in, that's not really mentioned in God's law. Letting them in is a different story. But once they're in, we are supposed to be kind to them. We're not supposed to treat them better than we treat our own people, but we do have to treat them with kindness. 
35. Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in meat yard, in weight, or in measure. In ancient times, and probably even today, there were people who would have two different scales. They would have an honest scale for when they were purchasing from someone else, and then they would have a fake scale with fake numbers for when they were selling. They were actually lying with the scale and saying, well, you can't prove it because the scale says so. People actually did that, and people still do things like that today. 36. Just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hin. The ephah and a hin are measurements. Shall ye have, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. 37. And ye shall observe my statutes, and all mine ordinances, and do them. I am the Lord. Now Jesus said, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So we do need to honor all of God's laws, even today. But some of them, like in today's world, it's a little different how we honor it. For instance, it doesn't matter what kind of haircut we have, but we should not be memorializing the dead in our person. And that concludes Leviticus chapter 19.